Hello and welcome back to The Big Run. How's it going? How's the running going out there? Just to let you know, I am going to be sharing alongside the Marathon Markers some of our training insights and perspectives as we move closer towards the Seville Marathon on the 20th of Feb. That's going to be coming out on Saturday mornings. It's the perfect fodder for a quick hit of running insight before you venture out on your own long runs on the weekend. Today's guest is an Ironman triathlete, a hugely talented athlete who came second on the second series of SAS Who Dares Wins, the popular Channel 4 reality TV show. He's also the managing director of Adventure Base, which is a company that provides people with incredible adventures and experiences from all things mountaineering, skiing, and soon to be trail and ultra running as well. He's an absolute legend, and I'm absolutely delighted to have him on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome Charlie Crarup. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the big run and joining us from from oh, dreamy Chamonix. What what's it like out there at the moment? Like I've been I've been desperate to visit. I've never got round to it. Like is is I imagine it's beautiful at this time of year, right? Yeah, it is. It's uh it's a pretty it's a pretty stunning place to live. It's obviously very snowy and very cold at the moment. Um we've just gone through a very busy period because with what with Chamonix being a a holiday resort we've just had lots of people out for their holidays um no brits because we're still juggling the whole covid uh conundrum but mm. yeah it's um i say it i sometimes say it to my wife when i get in uh from work there is not a place in the world i would rather live than chamonix right now there is just so much going on outdoors all the time so yeah, i feel very lucky to be here is there is there a real big community like with the people who who live there locally like who are all kind of outdoor enthusiasts is it is it a lovely like group to be to be part of living there Yeah I th- yeah it is it's um it's one of the few ski resorts or mountain resorts which is all year round and and a working town so you don't yes you get quieter and busier times but you don't get those dead spots that you might find in some of the other mountain villages or or towns so you have people who have set up their lives here and they have children here. And um, so it feels very similar to, to, I guess, being in a, in a normal town somewhere else. So yeah, you get these, you get these great, you get the consistent communities, but then you also get people who are, who are here because they're passionate about something to do with the mountains. Mm. Um, Some just like it aesthetically. Some love skiing, some love running, some love climbing there's there's just so uh, the underlying theme with all of it is that people are just passionate to be in the mountains and they every spare minute they get people are often out doing something so it definitely keeps you motivated um mm. there's always something to do with someone uh, so yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty special place and what's the what's the kind of running community out like out there like do, do a lot of people come there to to train because what we're we talking in terms of like altitude because you know you've got like you've got like boulder and other places that yeah. are kind of synonymous with like running camps is there is there kind of a training sort of scene there for runners uh yes yes and no i mean chamonix itself isn't that high so we sit at a thousand meters which compared to other resorts like let's just take val that people mm. might have heard of i think val is at about 1700 meters so chamonix is relatively low but what Chamonix has is big mountains surrounding it. So you've, you've got more, it's at the foot of Mont Blanc, which is at 4,800 meters. So um, you, you can get high and you can run high, but actually as far as living high and the benefits of altitude training, it, it's, it's probably not the ideal location. 
what we tend to see with regards to runners is we have a lot of people who come over here who uh, want to train um, for specific parts or specific races. So they'll come and they want to check out the some of the trails that, that are included in the UTMB. Um, mm. and so they familiarize themselves there. I mean, it, it's steep here and it's and it's pretty aggressive. But actually, as far as altitude goes, yeah, I, I haven't heard of many altitude camps or, or people coming out here specifically for the altitude. I think I think it's more for the ter- the terrain really, and I think there's better places to go if you are looking to get those benefits from that I lovely, think, lovely hemoglobin. Yeah, get that that sweet oxygen sort of advantage. Yeah, and I mean that, that that's more on that that's more on me really of not researching the exact elevation of, of Chamonix. Yeah. I just wondered whether there was a there was a culture there. But touching on running, like what's your running at the moment? What's your kind of running life at the moment? Oh. Well, my running was non-existent in December um, <laughs> due to uh, probably a, f- a few too many um, Christmas parties, uh, quite a lot of work and catching COVID. So uh, I had my first run back a couple of days ago and it was horrific. <laughs> it was really, really horrible. Um, heavy legs, uh, lack of motivation, um, it was that I, I I don't know if you experienced this, but I find if I haven't done something for a while, I've got three weeks before I start to get into the flow, and I mm. feel like I'm used to that sport. Um, and I'm at day two or three of that feeling, so I've got to I've got to push through it again to get to where I want to get to. But to know that you've got three weeks, that must come from from some level of experience. So what what was your what has your running life been kind of prior to that? Because I can totally relate to that. And you kind of commit yourself to like three weeks or two weeks of like feeling awful. But knowing like at the end of the tunnel, there's this sort of glimmer of light of like my legs, my body will remember what it used to be capable of. It will come back. So so sort of dialing back from this current period of uh, retraining your body, what was your kind of running life previously? Yeah, so uh, running for I, perhaps I'm going too deep on this question, but always go deep. Me, I, go deep. I love okay, it. Go deep. All right. Okay. Um, I I would I wouldn't class myself as a runner, um, but running is the foundation of my fitness for all the other sports that I do, whether it's skiing, climbing, trekking, tennis, uh, cycling. Running is the solid sport that I always go back to when I'm short of time or I'm feeling unfit or I'm trying to train for something, but I want to mix my training up. So I wouldn't define myself as a runner, but I I think it's, it's my, it's the, it's definitely fundamental to, to allowing me to do all the other sports and disciplines that I enjoy doing. Mm. Um, However, in the last three, four years, and I don't really know why, perhaps I've just been inspired or, Perhaps I'm getting a bit older and I feel like I need to hold on to or prove that I can hold on to my youth by doing something big. Um, I've started to move more into ultra running. So um, uh, last year I was supposed to do a 100k mountain ultra with with 6,000 meters of elevation gain. So I I trained for that. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for COVID, but I I went through the whole training process. Um, And and all of that is gearing up to hopefully do the UTMB uh, in two or three years time so um yeah I think I've I've never been a particularly quick runner um so as they as everyone says you then decide to go long um mm. and it's also living out here in Chamonix it's it's not it's kind of a pleasure to go running 
and mm. going running for a long time. It's you're not pounding the streets, you're pounding the trails, and you've got beautiful views. And there's fountain, there's kind of um, lovely freshwater fountains everywhere. And yeah, so so uh, to try and condense that waffle, um, <laughs> uh, my 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 running is geared up towards ultra running to hopefully try and complete the utmb in in two or three years time and that and that's that's the the sort of full tilt utmb the kind of the the main course version of the utmb the full shebang correct the full shebang so what is it about ultras that sort of appeal to you is it is it that level of endurance like is it is is it the sort of having the kind of the kind of mental toughness that that kind of is is the draw for you for ultras because it's such a huge community that's expanding exponentially really recently as well like i'm always interested into what the what the draw is for for people who kind of get invested in the sport yeah and actually i'd like i'll answer that but i'd also like to i'd like to hear what why you think it's expanding and 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 what's causing that i'm sure it's a number of different factors but um it's interesting like just to offer like my kind of two cents on that it feels like Maybe with ultras, I don't know, this is very much off the cuff, kind of, but interestingly, I interviewed someone uh, earlier today who is an ultra runner, so I was talking to them about it, but I think it's partly that the community of ultra running, I don't know, it, it comes across as slightly more welcoming and slightly more kind of inclusive because perhaps compared to the kind of marathon distances, it's less about time, it's more about completion, even though there is an element of that with marathons of like, hey, you did a marathon, congratulations. But maybe now, maybe to do with social media or something like that, it's very time orientated. And I'm definitely a victim of that. Like we were speaking before we started recording about what kind of PB I'm looking at for my my upcoming marathon. But my perception of ultras is it's it's all about that sense of uh, accomplishment, achievement, and the the level of support as well for people who like crew, for people who do ultras as well. Like there's just something kind of, kind of homespun and incredibly welcoming, and and I suppose as well as that sense of adventure, that sense of having everything on your everything kind of on your back that you need if you're doing something like a hundred miler. And kind of going out into the wilderness and and sort of testing testing your limits. I think that is a very compelling kind of narrative. I think for for a lot of people would be my two cents. Yeah, and actually, I I think I agree with you. And and I probably fall into a few of those boxes. I mean, we we all live such comfortable lives now, don't we? On mm. on the whole, right? I guess I'm talking about the Western world here and um and us who have a what we'd consider a, a comfortable yeah. life, but life's life's relatively comfortable physically especially uh, specifically so i think there is i think we are now drawn to physical challenges that test us mentally mm. um it's such a such a pure way of doing that and, and for me you're absolutely right ultras is exactly that i want to know i want to see how far i can go and i want to try and learn where my limits are and nobody wants to fail and therefore it's it's a bit scary signing up to these things and trying to do them but i, I guess without that fear and without it's without knowing that you're going to do it it also adds to the excitement or the or the adventure as you as you mm. put it so yeah i'm 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 definitely i definitely fall in the category of i, I want to be tested physically and mentally and i think if you do an ultra of course you're tested physically but 
at some point that physical becomes pure mental mm. um one of the one of my favorite things to do here in chamonix i mean we have lots of events that take place throughout the year but the probably the biggest is the utmb mm. um coming here and watching people come in after 40 hours being on the trails is one of the most magical things in the world and your your the hairs on i mean i'm getting it now i can feel it on my arms the hairs on your body stand up just watching them it's emotional it's it's incredible and 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 i think you want to for me i want a piece of that i want to know what it feels like um i want i want that experience um so uh yeah for me it's um testing myself physically and therefore ultras will test you mentally um and and it's a new experience it's something i've not done before yeah i really i really kind of chime with that i i what i kind of got obsessed like with the coverage this year of utmb that i have to say because sometimes like sporting coverage particularly of running events is sometimes a little bit hit and miss but i have to say the actual coverage the stream was 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 pretty bang on like in terms yeah. of the amount of access and just just the kind of camera coverage of being able to kind of stay with them and I, I kind of became obsessed with watching it and having it on in the background obviously you've got like you say like 40 hours worth of uh of this sort of ultimate box set to binge but watching watching that and watching people go through that is is so emotive and oh. compelling that you, like you say you're like I want to. I want to kind of dip my toe in that water. I want to. I want to. Yeah. I want to know what that that kind of feels like. Yeah. It's it's quite it's quite an attractive proposition. Oh, for sure. We'll have to get you out this year. You'll have to come and stay with us. And oh um, yes, and please. You, you, <laughs> you'll have to taste it. Um, it's it's uh, and, that, and that's the other thing. I, I did. Think, I thought the cover was fantastic, and I, I I like the commentary team. I think it must be a really hard job. <sighs> Uh, talking about ultra running but actually i was i was i thought they did a really good job um but it's it's the stuff you don't see it's the it's everything around it it's people rushing around it's seeing people walk through the center of town with their with their bibs because they've just picked it up and and their backpacks and uh, and just thinking crikey these these people are about it's taken them what well it's taken them two years minimum to qualify but then it's taken them 10 15 years to train for it over the course of a lifetime and they are they are one sleep away from from tackling what is often considered as as you know one of the pinnacles of of ultra running it's just i don't know it's just great it's just uh, you, you kind of share in their their journey don't you um, mm. so um yeah you have to come out you have to witness it um and there's a there's a there's a room with your name on here if you want it <laughs> well listeners we have that recorded so it's kind of like a verbal contract so i feel, I feel like i understand why you invited me on now <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting you you talk about um mental endurance and kind of seeing what you're capable of mentally because there's there's something else that i wanted to to talk to you about and i thought we would uh we'd use a musical cue to remind some of the listeners about something else that you've been involved with that uh, yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan of. Me and my wife both love it, and that's the SAS Who Dares Wins. Um, <laughs> I'd love to talk to you about that because you you came you, you went you went pretty far. You were in the was it the first was it the second or third series you were involved in, and you ended up coming coming second. I mean, t- tell us all about what that was like, what the experience was like, and also who would win in a fight between. Ant Middleton and Jason Fox. <laughs> uh, 
Um, actually, I could, I could answer that because, I, funnily enough, we asked them the same question um, <laughs> <laughs> when we were out there. And I think overwhelming, well, the, the, the one that everybody under, underestimates is Billy. Um, oh, okay. Is, yeah, you don't, you don't want to mess with, um, you don't want to mess with Billy. He's the, he's the real deal. I think he's been in the longest, and he's, he's, he's seen and done some pretty interesting things. So, mm. um, yeah. Uh, so, in answer to that question, Billy is without a doubt the toughest. Okay. Yeah, if I had to choose between Foxy and Ant, I'd probably back Foxy. Um, yeah, I think, I think but, Foxy. I think Ant, Ant, like obviously they're all very, you know, tough and oh, hard yeah. individuals. Uh, and Ants looks like he used to be a bit of a bit of a sort of troublemaker back in the day, whereas Foxy, I think, is just sort of a stone cold, yeah. sort of deadly individual. But yeah, tell tell us all about the the process, like what, what your motivation to apply, like the 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 whole experience of it, like the the challenges as well, like the the kind of mental mental challenges that that people go through on that show are extraordinary. Yeah, it's a it it is a great show actually, and they do um as far as reality TV goes, I'm, I'm not a big fan, but I. But but obviously, SAS who does wins is, um, but it's but I think I think they do a really good job. Yeah, so uh, I'll start with the motives. Twofold. One, I'm I'm just obsessed with experiences, I, I and physical experiences in particular. Um, so when I uh, applied, it was it was partly because I wanted the experience. It, it's something that money couldn't buy, mm. um, which was which was exciting. And then there was obviously the um, uh, the kind of testing or the mental strength um, uh, reason as well, you know, a challenge to see how far I would go. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, it was it was definitely those two that were the main motives. There was a, a slight secondary or third motive, which was I had at the time I had a. A business it was called challenge finder where the i I'll, I'll summarize very quickly but it was a, a marketplace of mass participation sporting events there's a there's another one out there now called that uh, let's do this and um there's a few others as well that that are, that are kicking about but the idea was one platform to book any any race whether it's triathlon running marathons obstacle course races mm. so i thought actually this would be great i can try and leverage a bit of pr off the back of it as well so I guess it wasn't purely personally motivated. It was always work motivated as well. But yeah, that was the main reason I did it. Um, so uh, what was the other question? What was, was it, it? what was it like? And uh, hey, I, the, the leveraging PR thing, power to you, man. Like if you were going to get a free kind of incredible experience, but also shine a light on a, on a business, you know, being a, a founder, being a startup, like fair play to you, man. Like what, what a way to do it. I think that's awesome. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, the, we don't have the business anymore, so it didn't work. <laughs> so what was but, the story? Um, Just to touch on that quickly, because like yeah. I, you mentioned, like, let's do this, like, which yeah. is, you know, I, I, I'm aware of let's do this. And there are other kind of like aggregating sites for people to find uh, races and stuff. And, and, you know, obviously the last 18 months might have been slightly treacherous for those, but like it's it's quite an established thing now. So what was the what was the kind of story with my challenge finder and, and why didn't that quite sort of take flight? Yeah. So, Oh, a number of reasons why, why, why it didn't go. Yeah. So we, I think we set it up in around 2014, 15, um, born out of frustration. I, as I said to you before, I do lots of different disciplines and the foundations is running, but, but I do triathlons and 
cycling events and, and runs themselves. And uh, out of frustration for having to fill out lots of different forms regularly, yeah. not being able to find everything, I thought, well, why don't I try and set something up? So for four years, I tried to do that. I raised a bunch of cash, um, got a bit of a team together, uh, tried crowdfunding, tried to get some traction. And I think we we did get a little bit of traction, but not enough to try to raise further funds, which for for a company or for a business model that we were trying to operate, it I believe it really needs to be funded for a long time before it, it really can survive off its own. And and I know let's do this are doing this now. I think they've raised fifteen, twenty million over um since they started. Um and they came in about a, three years after we started with uh, a pretty strong team and they went to a pretty strong incubator and raised a bunch of cash. And it just came at a time personally for me where I thought, am I really going to go head to head with these guys, with the resources that I've got? I've just had a baby. I'm running out of money personally and I've got a mortgage to pay. Um I've been doing it for four years and I'm not where I want to be. So I, I had to make a really tough call, which was that I, I'm going to have to pull the plug. And mm. uh, that, that's really hard, actually. Stopping a, or closing a business, something you, you put your life into for four or five years, um, was was quite hard. But I wouldn't change it for the world. The, the learnings I had were, uh, were amazing. Um, and the experience was great as well, albeit it's not the ending I wanted. It was, it was another, it's a chapter in... Uh, in my book when I'm on my deathbed and I write it eventually. So, um, yeah, sad, sad ending, but, but amazing journey. But, but I guess the, the nice thing about that is I, I had access to a lot of event organizers. I went to a lot of events. I did a lot of events and got a real insight into the different communities surrounding these, surrounding the mass, mass participation sports industry. So, um, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting as well, because I think like not to labor a kind of lazy running analogy, but sometimes there's in, incredible, you know, it's sort of strength and wisdom in knowing when to pull the plug, knowing when to like pull out of a race or, you know, back off because you're going to, it's not working. Like there's, I think there's incredible wisdom in that. And there's obviously a lot of that thinking and learning that's gone into adventure base which is the the, the new business sort of looking at ex- exploring and, and stuff like that and we'll, we'll come on to that definitely like but i think there's 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 great sort of uh resolve to be found in knowing that sometimes you know mm. it, it hasn't worked this time like and, and sort of commending your efforts and and taking something from the experience from a learning point of view yeah, I think so. And and actually, you and I share a mutual friend who's gone through a similar process. And, mm. and I, I, I've spoke it, spoken in, in depth with him about that. And um, yeah, there is. And it, it, it's really, it's it's really difficult, because at the time, you're, it, there's so much noise. And there are, whether you whether you try to or not, there are so many external pressures, when really, the only important one is the internal pressure mm. um, that you're putting on yourself and, and managing that and putting that in check, whether it's running or, or whether it's deciding to pull the plug um, on a business. Uh, and and finding a way to, to that conclusion or, or working out that conclusion takes, takes time and it's quite a painful journey. Mm. Um, but once you do it, it's actually quite liberating and quite refreshing. Once you make that decision, and you push forwards with it it's it's like you almost regret having not made it sooner but i think the process of getting there is so important 
to allow you to feel like that, that actually it, it can't happen. It, it can't happen any other way. Mm. And, and it's exactly the same with running. I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've experienced it as well. It's, it's knowing when to, perhaps your, your, uh, your last marathon, I think you were going for a time, didn't you? And, mm. and you, didn't, you didn't quite get there. And it's that, it's that acceptance of, okay, that's fine. I'll write that off as learning. What do I need to do next to, um, to actually achieve my, my, uh, my target? Yeah. And also, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, t- it's taking that learning forward. And also, I think there's an element of like giving yourself a fucking pat on the back for doing it in the first place as well. Cause like it was interesting just hearing you describe the kind of the volume of preparation for people towing the line for UTMB. Like, I feel like there's that same amount of like effort and fear and trepidation involved when you're starting a business as well. When you're like, you've got this sort of, uh, this idea that you've scribbled on a bit of paper, but then it's like, okay, I've got to raise funds. I've got to put the business together. I've got to build a team. I've got to convince people that this idea, like that's, that's fucking huge. Like it's a huge thing. And I think there's also an element of just being like, I fucking did it. You know what I mean? Like I actually went out there and like tried, like, I think there's, that's also hugely, hugely commendable. Like, and you can, I'm already starting to see the parallels of you, like enjoying a challenge, like physically and sort of communicating that into your into your business life but i still want to touch on sas who dares wins because i i love that show and i love this theme music i'm so pleased that i downloaded it prior to our conversation um (laughs) i've got a little sound pad i'm 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 just loving playing with that at the moment so tell me tell me about the experience thing because was this the one were you in the jungle for this one is that right yeah yeah so season two which is without a doubt the hardest season fact um, <laughs> all other competitors you may or may not be listening to that 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 is a certified fact don't care what season you're involved in okay exactly. what where, which jungle uh, were you at where where was it where was where was the filming so we were in ecuador okay um, right. which yeah never been to the jungle before in fact never been to south america before so it was a it was a, a whole not that it really mattered where we were we didn't we didn't venture far and we just did as we were told but um yeah it was uh it was it was an amazing experience. It was it was actually I don't know type two fun. Um, so <laughs> looking back, it was a lot of fun at the time. It was a bit scary and and whatever else. But um, we uh, I'll, I'll try and give you a bit of an insight into how it all operates. Mm. You you all fly out, so everyone flies out together. Although for some reason they they asked all of us not to speak to one another. I think they wanted to try and capture the first interactions on. Um, on camera when when the show actually started but of course it's an, it's human nature you talk to the person sat next to you on an airplane don't you so mm. um so you'll fly out together and then you have a couple of days just being briefed on the process and what happens um uh in certain situations and then you they literally jump through you in the back of a truck <laughs> and uh uh, in our case, they got us to jump off a bridge and they took us a bo- on a boat to a beach. And I think we all thought they would throw us into it gradually, start <laughs> start easy and then, or, or there'd be some sort of pre-warning that the show was about to begin. <clears throat> there was none of that. It was just ants coming out of the jungle, screaming at us while we were wearing jeans and jumpers and all sorts. And before you know it, we were doing some sort of obstacle course throughout the jungle and then that was it you were in um excuse me and actually um at that point it was the group split into two so for the first half of the process and i think it's about 10 days 11 days so it's not 
it's not super long, but it's mm. it's long enough that you've got to keep going. So within the first five days, you tend to see people drop out quite quickly. There was about 30 of us to start with. And there were a lot of big guys. This is before, I think my sh- our show was the the last one before they added women to the to the show. Right. So, uh, there was a lot of big guys who had um, boxing or um, gym-based backgrounds. Um, and most of those went quite early. And mm. I, but and then the second half, who or the or the second group who ended up staying to the second half were mostly endurance athletes. So they cycled, they ran, um, or uh, they they swam. They were their main sport was endurance. So uh, not in all cases, but I, I would say for the majority um, of the candidates, that's how it works. So. And I think a large part of people staying in the show is, is, is it's got nothing to do with physicality or, or everyone's a similar physical level, especially with the type of exercise they make us do. Mm. It's, it's all mental. And it's just reminding yourself that as soon as I stop, the pain goes. Um, and, you know, they can shout at me as much as I want. It, it's kind of that's just external. I'm just I'm just going to block it out. But the, the physical stuff, as soon as they blow that whistle or as soon as they say, right, end of end of training the pain just stops and if you I, I think unless you've gone through the endurance process whether that's running or whatever i think it's difficult to understand that or difficult to have the confidence to to, to know that it's going to stop and therefore um not uh quit when it when it does feel hard um so so yeah so uh so the so the first half everybody left uh or uh voluntary discharge i think it's called a vw um, isn't it voluntary withdrawal yeah. given the armband oh, that's, that's right yeah so uh, and then the second half they start picking you off so no, at that stage you're not quitting you're, you're being told you're not good enough on mm. the whole um but actually the, the the ds the directing staff change at that point so they begin to start forming relationships with you they give you more time i think there, there's too many of you at the beginning and they know they've got to weed out those that aren't aren't right for the show. And then the second half of the show, when everyone's refusing to leave, they then start, you've, they've given you a bit of credit and they're starting to build relationships and therefore you start to get more back from them so you can have conversations and you can joke around a little bit, um, uh, which is exactly what happened with us. Um, but it was just such a great experience, the, the whole thing, uh, the physical stuff, the even the interrogation, which I didn't do very well at, but um, yeah, that was, um, that, that, that was amazing as well. That bit always, so it's like, it's, there's normally like an, uh, you can tell you're dealing with a super fan here. There's normally like an escape and evasion and then they kind of put you into the sort of interrogation thing where it's, mm-hmm. it's just it's just sleep deprivation with all manner of kind of extra sauce kind of sprinkled on it with various things played into your ear and stress positions that are held for prolonged yeah. periods of time. Like, what what sure. was that level of sleep deprivation like and was there was there a was there a moment where you had that sort of internal dialogue that you were talking about before where you were just like that's me that's me done i'm 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 out no i was never there was never a i the, the other thing is you've invested so much mm. if you're going to drop out you drop out at the beginning you if you invest that much time into um you're nine days into the show, 10 days. In my mind, it was like, I'm never going to pull out myself. You're going to have to pull me out, which they subsequently did. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you're bat- 
without a doubt, the interrogation bit's the hardest because to some extent, operating physically, you don't need to think, you just need to do. But when you're put in these stress positions, which look really easy, but I can assure you they are very, very painful mm. um, with, with no sleep. And then you're trying to play some sort of game mentally with the DS because you're supposed to give some information, but not too much information. And you're trying to remember your lies, which is once you throw in all the, all the, all the fatigue, it's really, really hard. Mm. I mean, to, to stay focused and switched on at that point is really tricky. In fact, the guy, the guy who went on to win the show was a chap called Moses. Um, and to be fair, he was the right chap. He, he's, he is uh, SAS material. Uh, I think I, I was runner-up and they pulled me out 15 minutes before the end of the show, which was, which was a little heartbreaking, but probably the right decision because uh, I am not SAS material uh, on reflection. I'm, I'm not a door kicker. I'm not, I don't think I'm aggressive enough or mm. um, I'm perhaps a little bit more, a little bit more gentle. Um, but anyway, this, the guy who won, he, he actually uh, was in prison for robbing a bank. He was the driver. So oh. uh, whereas me, um, I, I, once had a detention at school which was about <laughs> as, as far as my interrogation went so you can imagine that he would have been sat there thinking yeah this is just a show bring it on i've been interrogated by the police whereas here i am <laughs> even knowing it was a show scared out of my uh, uh completely scared knowing that uh, uh trying to answer these questions as as smartly as i could but yeah it was um uh it was it was an amazing experience and it and it you know it it definitely um it taught me a few things about uh, about myself um so what yeah, did it good. teach you what really? were the lessons when you sort of when you kind of the dust had settled and you'd reevaluated the experience um i think it taught me that it was okay to not be the or or not achieve everything or uh perhaps a better way of phrasing this it taught me that you, you don't have to be the right fit for everything. So, of course, I went on the show wanting to be the final candidate or part of the final candidate. And I felt initially like it was taken away from me because I didn't quit. They pulled me out and I felt like it, was, it wasn't fair. But actually, on reflection, it, it was. I wasn't the right person for that role. It doesn't mean I'm not mentally tough. It doesn't mean I'm not physically capable it's just not the right community or it's not the right uh, job for me. That's, that, that's not where I belong. And they made the right, they made the call on me. And I think that was hard, you know, the controls taken away. So, mm. but, but, but really it was the right call and, and actually learning to deal with that and go and reflecting going, yeah, do you know what? Um, that's okay. Mm. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm not, and I'm okay with that. Um, and it taught me that actually there are other experiences in life where, you're not the right person or they're not the right group of friends or it's not the right race or it's not the right whatever. And that's okay. You don't need to be able to do everything. Um, Yeah. That's what I took away from it. That's such a great thing to kind of put like put sort of a a ribbon on that experience. Like what a great takeaway. And what about, um, because I know your brother's in the military. What did he make of your, your kind of military chops going through that experience? Uh, Well, I, I didn't finish, did I? So he's been dining off that for a while. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's, um, he's not particularly sympathetic <clears throat> and he um you know it's not it's not the real thing so you, 
you know what brothers are like. We uh, uh, we jest quite a lot, but yeah, he's. I mean, he is doing the real thing, and he's in bomb disposal. And um, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, so he's like he's like the hurt locker kind of vibe, and not to not to completely sort of deflate. It's obviously incredibly risky and impressive job by comparing it to a Hollywood movie, but that that's that's the kind of frame of reference, right? Is that the kind of thing that he does? Well, yeah, I guess so. It's slightly more glamorized, I think, um, in the movie. Mm. But uh, yeah, he does. He's um, he deals. That's that's the route he went down. In fact, I remember Mum saying to him when he joined the army, uh, "Please, do, you can do anything in the army, but don't go into bombs." So naturally, he went into bombs. <laughs> My God. Um, but yeah, he's 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 uh, he's he's the real deal. And 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 fair play to all of those those guys doing what they do whether you agree with you know armies or not it's um they're prepared to put themselves out there for, mm. for the protection of others so um yeah he so in answer to your question yes we 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 jest but um he's the real deal and i'm not and um i couldn't even complete the uh uh the pretend one so i, I get called <laughs> abuse for that <laughs> oh, I bet he dines. I bet he dines out on it. It's interesting though. You sort of, I know. Obviously, there was there was a slight sort of pe- not a slight. There was like a a want to sort of promote a, a new sort of uh, fledgling company, but as but as well. But was there a part of you that had been tempted by the military when you were younger, having seen your seen your brother do it? Was were you kind of scratching that itch by doing the SAS thing? Yeah. Not really. I'd, okay. I mean, I think I would have, had I thought about it as an option early enough, then yeah, I think I would have really enjoyed it. But I, uh, I don't, it just never really, it was never an option. And I don't know why. Uh, he, he joined quite late. So he joined after, he went to university and joined after uni. So it was, so I was a bit older by then. Um, yeah, I, I think I would have really enjoyed it. it. It's interesting. A lot of the people I do events with now, and a lot of people that come out, and do our trips are ex-military there's a real there's a real military i don't know whether it's the training or the type of people or or a combination of both but they tend to be extremely fit and they really like the challenge Mm. um so we get a lot of ex-military coming to do the stuff that we do and and in fact the guy i'm doing the ultra with in in august in switzerland he's ex-military um and they're fit they're really fit on the whole they're super fit so it's um um yeah, it's not always fun training with them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all it's I think it's always important to like really underline that when you say like they're fit. It's like it's not kind of like Instagram gym flex kind of fit. It's like no, kind of a well, level of fitness that one probably couldn't comprehend. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I you know, when I train with my brother now, it's it's not fair. Um and I tell him that. It's not fair. He does this for a job, right? He's training all the time. So <laughs> that's my excuse constantly. He's now I I'm the older brother, right? So I was always fitter than him, but <laughs> fitter because I was older <laughs> by two or three years. <laughs> Unfortunately, he is now stronger and much fitter than I am. So um I have to I have to let that one I have to let that one go. But like I say, he's in the army, it doesn't count. He does it on a Monday <laughs> But I'm definitely I'm definitely seeing a sort of sibling through line here though of, of people who who relish a challenge and relish an adventure. And I feel like was that part of the thinking when you were setting up um Adventure Base, which is your kind of the, the new company? Was that part of it wanting to kind of share that love of adventure and challenge with with people give us give us a bit of an overview of adventure base and maybe talk about the sort of thinking behind setting that up yeah sure so uh, adventure base is an adventure travel company um, we're currently based in the alps uh, so uh, as you probably heard 
me speaking earlier, we're, we're based in Chamonix and we sell currently trekking, mountaineering and skiing adventures. So things like climbing Mont Blanc or the Tour de Mont Blanc um, or skiing the Oat Route. Uh, but we are we're, we're going through a <laughs> after an abysmal two years we're going through a, um, a year uh, of growth and hopefully many more after that and we're looking to introduce some running trips um, as of 2023 so um, lots coming hopefully but uh, the origins of adventure base are are mixed actually so um, I worked so I was an employee at Adventure Base um, mm. when it first started when I was 22, 23, and I worked for them for about five years um, and then left to, and it was just, it, it wasn't the Adventure Base it is now. It was a, it was a different, it was a different concept, but, but I left to set up my own business, the challenge finder that, that we talked about. Mm. And uh, a chap called Ollie came in and took over my job. And then during Ollie's, rain at adventure base it, it shifted to an adventure travel company as opposed to a chalet company in, in chamonix um and then two years ago after challenge finder an opportunity came to come back to adventure base but on a on an ownership basis um which was just too good to turn down so uh i'm now myself ollie and there's a uh well, myself ollie a chap called kenton cool who's a pretty prolific uh, mountaineer and another um, chap who's a, a silent investor own and run um, Adventure Base, the adventure travel company. Awesome. And I mean, like, again, we keep touching on this theme of you loving a challenge. What was that like to come back with that sort of new sense of ownership, but then to be sort of plunged into what has been the last sort of 18 months, yeah. two years? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, at least you can't be blamed for things going wrong. Uh, it's perhaps, <laughs> yeah, it's the answer. Um, yeah. How was it? I, I mean, we're small or we were, we're growing, but, but, but we're a pretty small operation. So there, there, there weren't huge amount of levers to negotiate in order to, to come into it. Um, Ollie and I work closely together and, and I guess that was the most important one is how willing is Ollie for me to come in as um, I mean, my role is MD and he's operations director. So, um, yeah, we we make decisions jointly. But, you know, all of a sudden he's giving up 50 percent of the decision making ability for some guy that he hasn't really met. So that was that was always going to be the biggest ri risk. But fortunately, it's worked really, really well. And um, he's fantastic at his job and, a, and also a really, really great guy. So, um we're in a great position from a from a friendship and a and a business position. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, Adventure Base was a was a blank canvas. It was effectively, it was turning over a little bit of money, um, and a lot of work needed to be given to it. A lot of time needed to be given to it, and that's what we've done over the last two years. So, I, in many ways, it, the the enforced break has given us time to really dive deep into what we want to be as a company, and and start making that happen. So it's a new website. We slashed about 25% of our trips because we were all over the place, a new brand, a new identity, um, different marketing plans. Um, and naturally, of course, Ollie and I have had to do some of these adventures because you've got to try your own products, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, so we've been enjoying climbing Mont Blanc or doing the Tour de Mont Blanc and 
we try and make it a rule that in the office at least once a week we get out into the mountain and do something uh, whether it's climbing or skiing or running or cycling uh which sounds like a bit of a jolly but um it is a bit of a jolly but it's uh but it's also it's your job like i mean talk about the the ultimate kind of office r and r like i'm just gonna nip up the (laughs) mountains and do do a hike or a climb or whatever like that must be a a lovely way to sort of you know clock off early on a friday afternoon yeah, well, I'd love to, but we're doing this podcast on Friday afternoon, aren't we? So my... <laughs> oh, listeners, yeah. I know, get your... Vi- I don't have a violin sound effect actually loaded up. I should have got one ready for that. Like, to... okay. well, 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 actually, don't, don't feel too sorry for me. I have just gone for a, for a quick ski tour at lunchtime. So oh, um, I've had my fitness fix in. Oh, <laughs> we do God. do a lot of work for the record. No, and, <laughs> just... and, and to underscore that as well, like uh, to, re- to really kind of hammer home how, how good the, the guys at Adventure Base are, like we're talking about insanely detailed, bespoke packages that are really kind of go above and beyond in kind of delivering. Probably, I imagine for people who go on them, life-changing uh, experiences, like major, major climbs, so much so that uh, a certain kind of serial entrepreneur apparently uh, offered you a job over a couple of glasses of whiskey after he enjoyed one of your uh, one of your experiences. Uh, a certain Sir Richard Branson, is that right? Uh, yeah, it might be true, but I, don't, I have no idea how you found that out. It's not on the website, is it? <laughs> we uh, we go above and beyond when it comes to research uh, at the Big Run. Oh, oh. I we have a whole team. I say we have a whole team. It's just me. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, a certain little birdie told me. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think it was uh, I think he was desperate and uh, he just needed somebody to plug a gap. So <laughs> we were we were we were fortunate enough to take. Richard Branson and um, 10 others up the mountain to climb Mont Blanc. And I was, I was hosting the week and, um, and Princess Beatrice was there um, and uh, Richard Branson's family and various other people. So it was a, that was a pretty daunting. Yeah. It's um, stressful as well. well. Cause it's not like you're going <laughs> yeah. for a walk in a field. Like these are, you know, serious <laughs> expeditions. Know. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be the company that didn't bring Richard Branson uh, back. That's for sure. So he wants to yeah, go to I mean, space. Come on, I mean, <laughs> it's true. We were um, we were small fry compared to his ambitions. We should have known that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a fun experience. I ha- I do I have to say, uh, Richard Branson gets varied reactions in the press. I think some people really like him, some people don't. But there is no question that he is uh, he is a uh, a very impressive guy. Mm. He so he climbed he climbed Mont Blanc, which isn't which isn't easy. I mean, it is it's a relatively straightforward high mountain um, to start your mountaineering career, but it's still physically very tiring. Um, and he had to broker some sort of peace deal between two countries, or, or he was involved in some sort of peace treaty. Or, I, I don't know. I can't quite remember. So halfway down Mont Blanc and he had to go back to the UK to do it. So halfway down Mont Blanc, we had to call in this a helicopter from the Italian side to pick him up. And then we drove him to the airport. He went back to the UK. This is, this is about lunchtime. Went back to the UK, did what he had to do, flew back out to Geneva. We picked him up and he joined everyone for about seven, eight o'clock because he didn't want to miss the party in Chamonix. So, and, and he was, he was 64, 65. So, I mean, kudos, kudos to anyone who can, who can go through all of that 
That's extraordinary. I mean, extra- yeah. extraordinary, extraordinary. Well, that's why he pays himself the big bucks, I imagine. But uh, that's that's <laughs> that is um, that's that's in- that's incredible. Like, yeah, he's he's a tough cookie. That's insane, absolutely insane. Like, and just to be providing that experience as well. Like, I mean, is there is there like I would find I think I would probably find it too stressful if I had like royals in my party and I was taking them somewhere that's like quite dangerous because you do do you do everest as well right well we so kenton cool who's who's part of the part of the team and who was actually the original founder of adventure he's climbed everest 15 times and um takes clients up there so we tend to do at the moment as soon as it starts getting to to everest standard or or big mountain standard we believe the experience is much better on a on a personal level so working one-to-one with a with a guide who can who can facilitate mm-hmm. that it, i mean it's such a big undertaking that you you need to bond as a as as individuals you can't just pay somebody for the service you you really yeah. need to invest in that individual both ways so so yes if people want to do everest we we start them out on their journey um but then we then send them kenton's way or or somebody similar in order to tackle some of the bigger mountains with with that person yeah, because there's got to be a, a certain level of of preparation as well, like and making people aware that this this isn't just a, this is to use my lazy analogy again. It's not just a walk in a field. Like this is a serious undertaking. Is that something you're kind of priming your potential customers with before they even sort of sign up to anything like this? Yeah, always. I mean, and and regardless of the trip, we, we've got varied levels of difficulty with our trips, but all of them have some physical element involved. Um, so, and it is, it's the, it's the, the highest reason people don't summit mountains or complete the trips that, that, that they join is because they don't come prepared. Um, they watch a video of somebody very fit climbing Mont Blanc or, or touring, um, uh, Mont Blanc or the Oat route or climbing Elvis and, and obviously the video has been edited for all the good bits and the happy and the smiley bits and they, they fail to realize that it's it's physically demanding um so they they phys- they just physically can't complete the challenge so preparation is is critical to 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 all of our trips and a good base level of fitness which kind of goes back to the running right it's mm. running for me is it facilitates a good base level of fitness whatever whatever your discipline is mm-hmm. um and it's something that we um we we tell all our clients get out running it doesn't have to you know be marathon distance it could be 10 20 k and get out trekking and go up go up in the hills and um it's such a good um, indicator of where you're at as well isn't it running like i feel like you know you can maybe play a bit of five aside and kind of get away with it or you can kind of like maybe do a bit of cycling kind of get it you know, do you know what i mean in terms of like your level of yeah. fitness but i feel like running is is so kind of uh, exposing in terms of where you're at physically not to you know put people off running this podcast is absolutely not about that but it's always a real good indicator of kind of where you're at and maybe where you need to sort of be or what you need to sort of work towards in in that respect it's always kind of a good litmus test isn't it for your your fitness oh yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more um so yeah we always we try our best to, to to get our clients out running um and like you say they often track that by how fast or how far, or, or even it doesn't even have to be 
um, that complicated. It's not that complicated, but it doesn't even have to be detailed. It can just be, how do you feel? Maybe mm. feeling better, great. Then, yeah. then you're moving in the right direction. And are there, uh, in terms of like challenges for, for you yourself, in terms of summits and stuff like that, are there any particular particular ones out there that you would like to, to take on yourself as a, as a mountaineer? Yeah, loads. I mean, I, again, I'm, this is where Ollie and I differ, which is probably healthy for the business. But Ollie's Ollie's more of a purist. He's he's he'd probably say his discipline is is skiing, mm. but he he's not interested in the big names. He's interested in the interesting lines if he's trying to ski something or the interesting mountains that are going to be the most beautiful. Whereas I am a bit of a box ticker, whether that's <laughs> good or bad. I, I like to tick things off and then get on to the next thing. So, yeah, I'd like to do the Matterhorn. I'm planning on doing the Matterhorn this year. Wow. Um, and I'm skiing the Oak Route uh, in a couple of months, which will be, which is a, a ski touring trip from Mont Blanc or Chamonix to uh, the Matterhorn, Zermatt, all on skis. Um, there's, yeah, there's loads. There's so many things that I, that I want to do. Um, I, I'm not particularly interested in Everest, and that's a question I often get asked by clients um doesn't appeal to me particularly at the moment no um, i mean like i'm not chiming in as someone who's ever climbed a mountain but like i feel like everest is obviously it has this in, incredible uh mystique and um rich history but i feel it's i feel like the the sort of the it's so it's such a popular route and those kind of extraordinary photos that went viral not that long ago of the kind of queues of people waiting to summit and the kind of treatment of the Sherpa community um, is kind of it's not, it's slightly, it's, it slightly leaves a bit of a poor taste in, in the mouth slightly, I think, when it comes to that. So. It, does, it doesn't seem to be the, the hot flavour, although I would say, there's, I don't know whether you've seen it on Netflix, but Four, uh, 14 peaks i have um, oh my good lord yeah. Ext- extraordinary individual oh. i mean incredible yeah. incredible we work quite closely with the guys at the altitude center uh, yes. which maybe some of your runners i don't, well, I don't know whether we, you know them all. they they were on the podcast we did uh we did a, a podcast special at the altitude center they they put me on a treadmill and made me do um <laughs> interval repeats and sort of interview them at the same time needless to say i was out of breath yeah. but um yeah it's <laughs> great it's a great place it's fascinating altitude training i love it great place great guys um and they they said and they say it in the show but they they were telling us that he's just another level his physiology his mentality his uh, everything he's just an incredibly impressive mm. chap and built for the mountains so yeah what what he did is um is uh is quite amazing that's um, that's definitely a sort of net for people listening if you haven't checked it out that's definitely a, a hard netflix recommendation i also love yeah. the fact in the documentary is they kind of drip feed his story narratively as the documentary unfolds and then it's kind of casually tossed in that he was a member of the was it the sas or the sbs i can't remember but like he was a member of the special forces yeah and it's like oh okay right okay the picture starts to become fuller and sort of form like oh yeah he's just a straight up badass like an extraordinary individual but but i've told you it doesn't count if they're in the army it doesn't count it's too easy (laughs) um i also noticed that on your podcast um you spoke i can't remember his name but you spoke to the chap from berkeley marathons oh lazarus yeah lazarus lake yeah, yeah. yes uh, an yeah, ex- extraordinary individual um mm. and a sadist i think and i think he would probably call himself that by his by his own admission a man who kind of 
revels in in concocting ultras that sort of and that i think it's it's on now isn't it i'm sure it's it's happening at the moment um that that sort of test people's people's limits but he one really interesting thing with with him and it's interesting you talking about being a a box ticker when it comes to to sort of challenges and tasks that there was a, a slight through line of some of the previous winners of the barclay that they were very academically minded in the fact that they could sort of work kind of methodically through things to come to proving a hypothesis or or whatever it was within their thesis and there was a, a sort of a rich kind of history of phds or people with yeah mas or whatever that was successful in the in the barclay do, do you think for for you like is is there an element of like a methodicalness in terms of how you approach kind of challenges and stuff was that was there was there a method when you were in when you were on the the sas show and they were playing you kind of screaming children or white noise for x amount of hours when you're in those stress possessions is is that part of your kind of mental deconstructing of challenges well yes yes and no i, I would say that actually i'm becoming more and more methodical because because i have to if, if i want to go longer or, or faster or or avoid injury i've learned that you have to you have to train smarter um as far as y- utilizing methodologies or or techniques to to keep going um yeah it's it's a good question i'm basically trying to ask do you think you could win the barkley marathons (laughs) um uh, i i rarely i rarely say never but i i think in this case i think i think it's um it's never going to happen for me i mean it just it just that that looks about as horrendous an event as 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 they come mm. um but the but i absolutely love the documentary and mm. kudos to anyone who completes it and i just think he is such an interesting and unique character that um it's uh uh yeah it's it it's a must even if you're not a runner right which i'm sure there's no one on this po- listening to this podcast who, who isn't a runner but yeah um, definitely it's, it's it's still a must watch yeah for sure it's just always interesting. I'm always trying to fascinated by what the when people endure kind of things for a prolonged period of time, be it you know uh, a sort of a simulated torture in in your SAS kind of experience or ultras or anything like that. What the kind of methodology is, and often more often than not, the response is always there's not an elaborate reason behind it. It's just that individual's makeup that makes them kind of kind of capable of doing what it is that they do. Yeah, maybe it's a really interesting question. When you're training for for your big events, or when you're trying to hold a, um, when you're trying to hold a a quick pace, what where do you go? Ah, um, good question. And sometimes it varies. You know, like uh, the the kind of uh, I, I feel like I'm trying to ch- chime in now. Very conscious that my long runs are probably not the same sort of long runs for the ultra kind of listeners. But you know, some long runs. I like the one I did last last Sunday, for example, I had wanted it to end. I hated it. I hated it from sort of like mile 15 onwards. I like absolutely hated it. And it was like a kind of grinding kind of mental game of like hate miles to put it, <laughs> to put it frankly, of just kind of ticking them off. But sometimes I, don't, I, I just don't know. It's kind of everything and nothing all at the same time where you're focusing on I, I don't listen to music i don't listen to music or 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 anything else when i'm running so maybe it's a sense of kind of finding a rhythm in the footfall of my kind of cadence so that my mind can kind of wander like often i'll think about 
you know, stuff for the show or, or questions I might want to ask or or sometimes I think about absolutely nothing. It's it's very hard to um to kind of put into words. I suppose one thing that does help me kind of get through it is kind of knowing that I have to do it. Like I'm kind of similar to you in the fact that I'm a box ticker and this coach that I'm working with at the moment is very old school in their approach to training where it's all written on a bit of A4 paper with pencil like and it's stuck to the fridge and you see okay I've got x amount to do da, 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 and you come in and you cross it and I feel like part of what motivates me is knowing that if I don't do it I wouldn't be able to get back from the run get the sharpie out and cross that box off yeah, right. and I, I feel that like that's part of, I guess as well yeah it's, that's it man definitely yeah I, it definitely makes a difference and, and yeah Strava is quite good for that as well isn't it I, yeah. I see a friend go for a run and I think oh I really need to get out and run he's, yeah. he's getting quicker or or she's getting she, she's going further but I, I think for me I my runs or my training splits into two you know if, if we're talking yeah how do you stay motivated or, or how do you push through those tough times I think if I'm going for if I'm going for time um and say I'm doing a race I'm going for a for for a particular time and there is a there is a particular race that i did five or six years ago it's called the turkey trot and it's a mm. tiny little half marathon in between leicestershire and, and nottingham um, close to where i used to live and i was going for a sub 130 half marathon and it was a rolling course so it wasn't like it wasn't a quick course but it wasn't a slow course and i went with a buddy who's very fit he can run you know 120 and I asked him to pace me and I uh, set off fine as you, as you always do at the right pace and you feel okay for the first two, three, four, five K. And then it's not, and then you start to f- understand the enormity of what you're about to try and do. Uh, yeah, again, the beauty of running is it's always relative, right? So mm-hmm. 130 for me was for somebody might be 145 and for someone else might be 115. But for me, it was, it just seemed like a, a huge undertaking and then I hit the halfway point and at that point I was on for my 130 but it was already hurting and I had no and I felt how am I going to get to the end of this race at this pace and I'm already in this much pain but then the other argument is you know you have that constant conversation in your head well you've done half of it already like you might as well just finish it off like <laughs> you're going to have to go finish it off and then you can put it to bed right for, mm. for as, as long as you want but if you stop now, you're going to have to go through all of this again. So logically, it doesn't make sense to stop. I've got to keep going. And then obviously, and then you get closer and closer. So you're at 15K, uh, 16K, and you think, well, I, I, it's really hurting. Like, I'm going to have to stop. But no, I can't. I've done 16K. You're an idiot. If you stop, you're an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> and you're having these. And then you hit like 20K and you think, well, I, I can't not do it now. Right? I might have to pick the pace up, but I can't not do it. Like, I'm there. So you, for me, it's for me if it's time related, it's definitely numerical and that kind of. Um, I don't want to do this again. It's hurting too much. So mm. I've just got to finish it now. Just go through that pain once. But if it's long, yeah, I think the beauty of long running for me is allowing the mind to wander. Mm. You know, some of those, some of those big questions that you, you're trying to solve in a week, whether it's work or life or whatever, you go on a run and you just let your mind wander and. I often come back with about five different business ideas. Mm. Four of them are absolutely useless, but one one might work because you just allow, you just give yourself time, don't you? Yeah. Um, space. So I love that. I love space. that. Yeah, yeah, that sort of sense of room and for things to sort of flower and that space for ease of thought, I think is fantastic. And I love, 
I just love, I always love hearing runners describe that kind of internal monologue that happens for, for a race. And I, I swear, like, if there is some, if, you know, Elon Musk, if you're listening, if there is a way to, like, kind of transcribe that and put it, like, as a PDF that you could, like, print off and stick on your wall, like, what your internal monologue was for a race and, and have that as a memento, I think would be, there you go, there's a business idea, if anyone's listening. That is a fantastic um, just, idea. Just yeah, I would love it. that. I'd pay hundreds for that. Just to see it on the wall, just to see those yeah. voices of, like, Oh, well, you, I mean, come on, you've got it now. You've done, you know, you're 10 miles in. There's only three miles to go. You might as well finish the race off now. But it hurts. It hurts. Like that is always the yeah. the, the rich kind of tapestry of a runners in a monologue, I think, is is fascinating. It's so weird, isn't it, as a, as a sport? It's, it's completely pointless, <laughs> right? It's completely <laughs> pointless, right? Putting yourself through that much pain. Like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> But for some reason, we're so drawn to it. And I love that about it. And there's so many idiots out there like us who are prepared to do it mm. um, for some reason. But it is ultimately, it's pointless. You can get nice and fit just running along comfortably. But then when you really push yourself, what? why? Why are we doing it? <laughs> so true. It's so true. Never a true word was said. That's, uh, yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for being such a, an incredible guest. And oh my God, like if anyone's been listening, uh, just listening to you talk and describe some of the the adventures that you do at Adventure Base and your your life out in Chamonix, like I'm I'm very intrigued. So I'll be linking to Adventure Base if people have uh, if their interest has been piqued by hearing you describe some of the adventures that you do. But just before we we finish uh there's two questions that i've been asking a lot of guests recently just because i think they're quite interesting and they're quite expansive um and i like to kind of throw down the gauntlet at the end of the conversation just to get your kind of take on them so first one first um what has been your biggest failure and what has it taught you yeah uh crikey good question um I mean, I presume we're talking about running, right? <laughs> interpret it as you will, you know, interpret it as you will. Yes, this is a show about running and I talk to runners, but we don't just talk about running because, you know, that'd be boring after 60 odd episodes. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think my, yeah, cranky, I've had so many failures. Um, I think, I think my biggest failure is not learning soon enough that just raw passion and uh, energy uh, requires a little bit more as as you start to get older. So I went between my from about the age of twenty nine to thirty two. I was just injured all the time and uh, really struggled for motivation. And um, I'd never had that before. I'd, I'd never experienced that. And um, and, and even when I did get things going again, my time, I, I didn't go further. I didn't go quicker. I was, I was just stagnating. And it, it was, I, I didn't, in my twenties, uh, especially my early to mid twenties, I just used to put my trainers on or, or jump on my bike and just go hard all the time. Mm. And it was fine. Um, so from a running perspective, I, the biggest failure was not, not listening or, or taking the time to, to change or try things because it caused three years worth of um, pain from through injuries and three years worth of not really doing much and frustration 
as opposed to just stopping, looking and thinking, well, I've got to be a bit smarter than this. I can't just go out anymore and, and hammer myself. Um, I've got to get a coach or I've got to plan my trainings or I've got to look at times or I've got to, I've got to go easy when I'm, my body's telling me I've got to go easy. Um, otherwise, you're going to put yourself out for another uh, two, three, four months. So, um, yeah, I think, what am I trying to say? I, th- I think perhaps listening more, taking the time to, to listen to your body and and um, um, uh, realize what stage of life you are at and therefore what you're capable of mm. um, and perhaps apply a little bit more logic and, and process to um, uh, to whatever you're whatever you're trying to achieve. I love that. Like life changes, right? Yeah. Um, it doesn't. You aren't the same person you were when you were 21. So you've got to you've got to remember that with the kind of all aspects of your life. I love that. So, so true. And it rings, ugh, rings so true for myself <laughs> at the moment when you're that, that sort of dawning feeling of like, what? I'm not, I'm not invincible. What, 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 what do you mean? Again, it's that internal monologue, like of, you know, what, what do you mean? I can't crush this. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love that. That's fantastic. Okay. And final one, what, or are there, or is there a myth that you would like to take this opportunity to debunk about sport, uh, about fitness, about running, endurance, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, it's almost completely counteracting my last point, but it's actually what fitness and running and everything is really simple. It's not complicated. I, the obstacles we put in place to go out for a run. I'm tired. Um, uh, I'm, I'm hungry. I, I'm going to wait two hours before I go for a run. Or um, I'm, I've got too much work on. Um, I haven't got the right shoes. All of that. It's just obstacles. Like running is brilliant because in its purest sense, you just put some shoes on, trainers ideally, <laughs> um, and, and, you, and, you, and you get out and that's it. Um, I guess perhaps I'm speaking more towards um, those who are starting out or even those who are in a bit of a rut or um, those who just need some headspace um, as opposed to training for something specific, um, like my original point. But um, it's really simple. It doesn't have to be far. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be quick. Just just keep it really, really simple and go for a run and you will feel so much better. I love that. I love that. And that feels like such a perfect note to end our conversation on. Thank you so much. And like I said, yeah, I'll be linking to Adventure Base if people are interested in exploring the kind of work that, that Charlie does. But yeah, Charlie, thank you so much. Thank you for bearing with me playing the SAS Who Dares Wins theme tune to you down the line. But thank you for coming on and being such a, a brilliant guest on The Big Run. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. Big thank you to Charlie for coming on and sharing his story there. It got me really excited about the next season of SAS Who Dares Wins, but also got me excited for adventure as well. Chamonix sounds like an incredible place, and if you are thinking about taking on your next adventure, then head over to Adventure Base. I'll be linking their website in the show notes, and they are really experts at crafting and creating incredible experiences, so they're definitely worth checking out. Another reminder that this Saturday I'm going to be dropping a special edition version of the podcast in collaboration with The Runner's Life. It's a bite-sized podcast and it's kind of a training diary, um, postcards from the long run special 
with myself and Marcus Brown of A Runner's Life as we head towards the business end of our marathon training as Seville approaches rapidly. I hope your running is going well. I hope your training is going well. If you're recovering from an injury, I hope that is going well as well. We've got some really exciting episodes coming up. We've got some Ask the Expert episodes coming up as well that I'm really, really excited to share. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Big Run Podcast. And if there's anyone out there that you think I should be talking to, then uh, drop me an email as well at the Big Run Podcast at gmail.com because I'm always up for suggestions about interesting people with interesting stories and the shared love of running. All right, well, I hope everyone's going well and uh, yeah, get out there and uh, go for a run and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.